0: So, welcome to Eternal Leadership. Uh, you might be able to hear that John, you and I are in a very different location than where we normally are, which is are in our offices in our respective homes, in outside of Denver and in the Colorado Springs area.
1: Yeah. So, everybody listening here, uh, Steve came up. We had a sleepover last we had night. Sleepover. <laughs> it was awesome, and uh, we didn't watch any Good Man movies. But uh, we're sitting next here, time. Next, next time.
0: time. Braveheart. Braveheart. Ooh, Braveheart. That's a great one. I just, I just showed that to my 13-year-old, and he and, and instantly he said it was one of his uh, top five favorite movies of all time.
1: That is one of my favorites. Yeah. You know, people would expect that Top Gun's one of my favorites. And it's not? No. You know what I do now? I fast-forward oh. through all the dialogue and just watch the flight scenes. <laughs> <laughs> uh but we're sitting here on my backyard it's an yes. absolutely beautiful day here in Colorado a, the yes. the there's not a cloud in the sky it's I don't know about 78 degrees and a little breeze and it's just gorgeous Over out here. We're here in
0: the shade you'll listeners will probably hear the the wind blowing through the trees or a car driving by occasionally so yeah it's 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 a great place to just sit and have a conversation and in fact we have scheduled for a little bit the day of this recording uh, a few interviews in a row I think three of them we have people coming over and so yeah our listeners will hear at some point before the end of the year they'll hear those interviews but um, John today is a is the day that we're airing this is, is an absolutely incredible day it's the seven-year anniversary of your accident yeah the day before we met for the very first time yeah, it was September a family 8th. talk yeah it was a yeah. family talk donor event and uh Dr. Dobson had a few uh potential donors or people that had key relationships that we wanted to just continue to develop that relationship with and you were one of those people yep. that were invited up to that event and uh the first night everyone kind of went around and told their stories and it was you and one other person that I identified I was like ooh I want to get to know these guys as You, because you're a fellow Midwestern boy, and just yep. your success with business, and as a financial advisor, I, I, I was like, this is a dude I want to get to know, even though he's a Vikings fan.
1: <laughs> we overlooked your Green Bay flaw, although I did just see that your quarterback signed a record deal, by the yes. way. Yes. kind of $80 million payday. Yes. Like he'll get paid in the next six months. Yes. Yeah. You can. I don't know if that's even relevant. And you know what? Uh, a lot of people have asked me recently, I mean, we, we've been doing the podcast now, Steve, for my goodness, It'll be four years uh, in almost, almost four years. So uh first of all, everybody out there who's been, you know, part of this and supporting us and I get emails uh almost daily from the audience and you know what we've how we've impacted them through our conversations, the guests we've had on man, please keep reaching out, man. That is the fuel in our tank. It's why we do this. It's a it's a calling, it's a ministry, it's a Uh, you know, it's more than just, it's become so much more than a podcast Mm -hmm. for us. Right. Uh, and you know, every day we just, our, our passion, our mission is to just equip and inspire you listening to become your best self and to do what God has accomplished in you. Right. That marching orders that God gave me as I was recovering was to equip and inspire leaders to work in my kingdom. He was very specific
0: yeah I, th- I think for me too it's it's been a great experience with this show getting to know a number of audience members um i can think of just earlier this week uh, a listener rob decker who was a personal trainer in southern california he found out that uh, that i lived in colorado springs and he was moving to colorado springs he just moved here last weekend we got together for lunch i bought him lunch and we just hung out and talked and just a super cool dude we're going to be knocking out a 14-er, which is a mountain that's above 14,000 feet. We have 50-plus of them here in the state of Colorado. And I, I just love hiking them. And so he's a big fitness guy, and he was like, I want to go with you. And so th- that getting to know a number of listeners yeah. outside of the cyberspace or getting to know them in person has been absolute blast for me.
1: Yeah, moving people, and not just here in America. I mean, people, yeah. i got to tell you, probably uh, dozens of People from different countries—from China, Indonesia, France, Germany, Britain, Canada—I mean, I could go on and on. I've reached out to me Brazil, uh, you know, where we've gotten to—you know—develop real relationships. Never, some of them I've never met on the phone, but get to talk in person. But yeah. So anyway, I—I from the bottom of my heart, thank you. This has been a huge blessing for us putting this together. Uh, I think for both Steve and I, and we would love to hear from you too about what. What you would like to hear, what we can be doing that would really be like that topic that would just uh, you'd love to hear, just move you forward, um, because you know what we—it's uh, not us trying to create content,
0: mm-hmm.
1: right? We're always reaching out and a listening to what God's putting on our heart, yeah, um, to share and uh, things that we're hearing from our audience, and that shapes. Who we bring on and what we talk about, Yeah. right? So that's what that's always been our focus, right? Um, but back, yeah, you know, uh, a lot of you, you know, uh, if you haven't been listening since you know the beginning, uh, you might have heard me reference my accident a few times, and and today being the seven-year anniversary, let, let me just share with you a little bit of what happened. So I was up at uh, this ranch in Montana. Yeah. That's where I met Steve that Thursday night, and on Friday we were supposed to go uh, horseback riding. Uh, to the back of the property and have a lunch have lunch and really just get to build relationships get to know each other yep. better and and uh everybody was heading down to where the stables were and all the uh the suburbans were full um and so dr dobson said hey there's you know if anybody wants to grab an suv um you know a four-wheeler you know you can take that down i'm like Woohoo so i ran over there and jumped on it and ripped down the road and i was the first one to, to get saddled so uh, get down to where the crowd was. I guess it was about a mile away. And I'm sitting there, saddled on my horse. Nobody's even there yet. And then my horse was uh, uh good horse. Well, I thought it was a good horse. You know, I've always, you know, ridden, you know, trail rides growing up in Minnesota, you know, mm-hmm. where it's kind of nose, mm-hmm. to, nose to butt kind of thing, yeah. right? And all of a sudden,
0: uh, were you down there then? Yeah, I was. Because I remember you were trotting around and yep. you didn't look. Extremely comfortable. And say, hey, John, when was the last time you rode a ho- horse? And you said, uh, I think I think you said like eighteen or nineteen. You were a teenager.
1: Yeah, it, it was a while back. But, but yeah, the horse wanted to keep trotting around and moving. And I remember he'd move forward, and I'd pull back on the reins, and he'd go backwards. I'm like, what? I didn't know horses could go in reverse. So then I'd kick him <laughs> to get him to stock and he'd go forward faster. So yeah. what I ended up doing is really making the horse mad. Um, I think is what happened. Yeah. It turns out we found out later this was a very highly trained working horse who'd been a a, a breeding stallion for 10 years and should not have been in a lineup with, you know, he was not an old nag. He was not a trail horse. Not a trail horse. But all of a sudden, so he starts trotting out into this big open space, and then he just bolts and takes off like a 90 degree turn. And I find myself laying flat on my back, and his rump has slapped me in the shoulder blades. And I'm scared to death I'm going to flip off the back of this horse. Because, man, he's, you know, as they're yes. pulling and accelerating, yeah. man, there's some power there. Oh, there is. And I thought I was going to get kicked in the head and get killed. So I'm squeezing with my legs as hard as I can. And if anybody out there is listening as a horse person, clearly you know that I did not read the manual because <laughs> I am telling a trained horse to go faster. Yeah. I mean, this is like hitting full, mm-hmm. you know, full down on the accelerator. Mm-hmm. I had no idea that, you know, that what I was doing. But I was able to get my weight back up in the stirrup or in the saddle. My right foot had come out of the stirrup. There was a fence line. If you remember, all the way along, Kind of, we were going parallel to this long fence line that was along my right side. And at the very end of that, it did a 90-degree turn, and there was a series of paddocks. Yep. And it was like this kind of this, the the fence It was just an L, but it was completely open to my left-hand side up toward the mountains. And when we first took off and I get in the saddle I'm looking forward, it's, it's maybe se- still 70 or 80 yards to where the paddocks are. And it's that three-inch rolled steel, everything, mm-hmm. right? These uh, It was really sturdy. And um, it was my first thought was all I have to do is get him to turn a little bit to the left and we'll just kind of then I'll, you know, slow him down and bring him around. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. So I grab the rein and I, and I pull kind of firmly to get him to turn to the left. And he just pulls his head back, almost pulls the rein out of my hand. Yeah. I was thinking, Roro, like that's not right. Yeah. Like, this is what horse is supposed yeah. to do. So I grab the rein and I pull even harder. Yeah. Like, oh, I'll show him. Uh, he pulls his head back even harder, doesn't even break stride, is going straight at the fence. And then I'm absolutely starting to panic. I never even thought at this moment to try to pull back on the reins. I mean, I've, I've flown in combat, you know, I've landed on yeah. aircraft carriers and 20 foot pitching seas. I've yeah. raised teenagers, right? <laughs> you think I would've been prepared for anything. Uh, I was absolutely panicking. I was thinking, I gotta, I'm gonna die, but I gotta jump off this horse, but I jump off this horse, I'm gonna break my neck. Because when you're up that high, oh, yeah. right? On the back of a horse at a full gallop, I don't know what it is, 25, 30 miles an hour. Um, I had never felt like this out of control. And then I remember we're getting closer and closer to the fence. He has not broken stride. We're p- complete head-on, perpendicular to the fence, and maybe about 20 yards out, uh, like from me to that trellis right there that I'm looking at. Uh, it's like everything slowed down, and I just had this moment of clarity. Have you have ever had that? Oh, where, yeah. Right? And here's the thought I had to myself. This is not going to end well. And then it was lights out. I do not remember hitting the fence. Um you, I think you yeah. observed it, I think Leilani observed it, but I was... What I, my understanding is he came into the fence and dropped his butt and bucked so hard he flipped over and slammed into the fence. Yeah. And when he did that, he launched me. And when he launched me, I went face first into that first three-inch rolled steel beam, hit me across my face from my teeth up through my left eye, crushed the entire left side of my skull...
0: Uh, I fractured multiple vertebrae in my neck. Yeah, I, th- I think I remember you saying you you had fracture or spider fracture in every single bone in your skull. Is every that right? bone
1: in my skull except for my jaw, really? and my right cheekbone. Okay. Yep. The base of the skull, the top of the skull, the side of the skull, yeah. everything inside, internal. Mm-hmm. Um, there were so many bone. There was bone fragments that got pushed into the front left lobe of my brain. Mm-hmm. Had a hematoma. Mm-hmm. Um, the bone fragments lacerated the dura around the brain. <sighs> the cranial sacral yeah. fluid was all leaking out. I mean, this is bad, right? Mm-hmm. the The base of the skull was all fractured and broken.
0: Uh, What's amazing for me now, seven years later, is when you hear people of a ma- that have some sort of massive brain trauma like that, they don't remember with that kind of detail. The act- they'll remember, you know, an hour prior. They might remember a half hour prior, but 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 the memory up right around that accident time is like, it's wiped out for most people that I've ever heard. Well, I still, you know, I was telling my son about this last
1: night. I still have big holes in my memory. Yeah. There's actually somebody called me the other day. He's like, Hey man, how are you? He's like sharing all this stuff. You know, Hey, your son called me, my you know, job, you know, he has a new job. Right. And he reached out to this guy. Um, he goes, Oh, I know your dad and he's talking to me and I'm, I pull him up on LinkedIn Mm Mm-hmm and uh, I don't recognize his face. I don't recognize his name. Hmm. And he's sh- tearing about all these shared experiences. Hmm. I mean, I, uh, it, it's just not there. My memory is very, it's still coming back. As we talked, actually there was some like awareness there. Mm-hmm. But no, it's, it's been something, just memory, especially short-term memory I've really struggled with. Mm-hmm. I mean, one of the things in recovery for me, I realized my short-term memory is not there. If you ask me to do something and I don't write it down, It'll actually, it's like a, it's a submarine. It goes down and it'll resurface about five to seven days. i like, Oh no. Right. I should have, I told Steve, I would do this. So I've had to actually develop habits to compensate, write everything down, create a, create a task for everything. I can go back and look at it. Yeah. But anyway, so I wake up on the ground. Um, I don't remember hitting the fence. You're right. Uh, but I remember, I think because of the level of just panic and awareness, like I realized the other day I was freaking out just, just a month ago. We were Donna was driving and we were in mountain traffic, mm-hmm. you know, the windy roads, and it was fairly, you know, wasn't a heavy traffic, so we were moving fast, and she was at a uh, distance between me, us, and the car in front of us that was very uncomfortable with me, and I started having like anxiety and panic attack. I'm like, what is this about? And I told Donna, please back off, right? And I said it in a, a tone that you know, it wasn't, it wasn't a good husband wife tone. How's yes. that? Yeah. Okay, and so. I thought about later, I went and apologized to her. I said, you know what I think it is, is, is I still envision
0: hitting hitting that that fence fence
1: or that moment right before the fence. And I'm thinking when we're this close, if he slams on the brakes, it's going to happen again. Yeah. So, right. I still, you know, have some of this stuff. Um, Well, anyway, so I wake up on the ground um, and just to put things in context is after I got airlifted to the hospital, I ended up spending six weeks in ICU I had two major craniotomies. They had to take off my my skull, mm-hmm. a quarter of it to repair everything in there twice. Um, we heard from multiple doctors including my brother-in-law who's a doctor that what happened to me is not survivable. And then after the accident, I went to Did cra- some, didn't some doctors essentially say the best case scenario is you're a quadriplegic? He's yeah, he said, you know, best case scenario if you had survived this because of the Yeah. the the way the trauma was in my neck. Yeah. Um I should have been a quadriplegic like Christopher Reeve because I had yeah. fractured C2, yeah. 3, and 5. And I uh, we had a doctor tell us later, he goes, you know, I was looking at your first CT scan when you came in, and I was walking into the hospital room to have a conversation with a family of a new quadriplegic. And there you are, and you're moving your hands, and your feet are moving, and he's like, he was angry because he thought somebody put the wrong chart and the wrong, you know, the wrong scan, the wrong chart, and it, but it was mine. Yeah. I had, you know, I had a neck brace on and everything. Yeah. yeah. Um, he he couldn't believe it. As a matter of fact, he followed up with me about three years later, by the way, yeah. and said, I want to share something with you. I've completely come back to my faith in God because I totally left that for a number of different reasons he shared with me. Mm-hmm. But he goes, there is nothing, there is no explanation medically or on this earth that can explain, A, that you survived and B, that you're functioning the way that you're functioning. As a matter of fact, one of the people, <laughs> Donna reminded me of this the other day. Um, when we were at Craig Hospital, working on our my brain injury recovery, I was there for 20 months. Yeah. Uh, one of the doctors shared with us, just to set expectations, you probably will never be able to hold down a job as a greeter at Walmart. Just because they saw the cognitive, you know, mm-hmm. the brain damage that I had. So what happened was I, you know, I was laying there on the ground, and I, I know you were there. Mm-hmm. And uh, another Steve that was there said, uh, he said, man, all of a sudden I just saw you relax so completely. Looked like you were sinking into the ground. I thought I'd just watch you die. Now, you felt something different, though. When he thought he
0: was watching me die, you you were there. I felt the presence of God in that moment. Yeah. And I felt just the peace that you felt as well. Yeah. And I remember Lonnie saying something like, he's going into shock. This is not good. And and I remember looking around saying, I don't think that's what's going on here. Yeah. I kept my mouth shut, I didn't say anything, but and, and it was at that point you, you kinda of relaxed and you're like, Everything's gonna be okay.
1: How long was it between
0: when I relaxed and said everything's gonna be okay? It wasn't long. I, I wanna say it was five seconds, maybe ten seconds. It was just probably about five seconds from what I remember.
1: Really? Yeah. Okay, that's fascinating,
0: because yeah. that was the time that I was in God's presence.
1: And to me, it felt like, I would have time. told you it was 10 minutes. Yeah. Okay, because all of a sudden, when I relaxed like that, yeah, I was in God's presence laying there. And it's interesting, Terry Tyson, our friend, right? He yeah. helped me really kind of, I've always wondered, like, did God, you know, because all of a sudden, I felt the most intense and personal, unconditional love between God and, and me, John. Yeah. Right? Uh, in a way that just absolutely because I remember the first thought that crossed my mind when I felt his presence, this love, like this love was the fabric of the universe and I got this privilege to touch it, Yeah. was I'm not worthy of somebody loving me like this. I remember thinking that so clearly. And, and, you know, looking back on it, a couple things. Think about this. A, the God of the universe who created everything, dominion over everything, Mm -hmm. cares about me personally. Mm -hmm. I had never made that connection in my whole life. And i had been a believer since 1994. Yeah. I had never understood a personal relationship. Yeah. The other thing in that moment, a, that he cared about me, but also what I felt in that moment, the love was completely unconditional. And like, I mean, seriously, like everything else I'd ever done in my life, good, bad, sinful, otherwise had, had absolutely no bearing, no relevance to the relationship he had and the love he had for me right now. Mm -hmm. There was no judgment, Right it was just it was amazing, um, I gotta tell you that just that just changed me in an instant to come to the understanding of the nature of who God is, right and in ephesians four six right he talks about you know God is Father, God's above us, he's near us, but he's also enthroned in us, mm-hmm. and i you know, I used to wonder like did he show up right, no. What I realized was really thinking and praying into this, that he was already there and had been there the whole time, I mean my whole life. Yeah. He actually just revealed his His presence that's actually with us both right now. Yeah. And that I'm not special also, that's everybody listening. Whether you believe in him or not, believe in Jesus as a savior or not, he is right there. Um, yeah. And then uh, I felt this peace washing over. I, man, dude, when I woke up, I was in more pain uh, I think you, you know. You see the mm-hmm. the scar here, right? This was yep. not pretty. Bleeding, yelling, screaming, writhing, trying to get away. You guys were all holding me down. I could feel all your hands on me. Mm-hmm. Uh, this peace was just washing over me, and it took away all the pain and panic and fear that I was in. It was. I mean, it was gone. I wasn't even a memory. It was gone. And then and then God spoke to me, and it was a voice that came from everywhere and nowhere. And it wasn't to my ears. It was just like a conversation. And what He said was. Um, all things work together for good for those that love the Lord. And then he said, John, I'm going to heal you and use this for my glory. And then he said, the Lord give it, the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord, which I found out later was from Job. And I didn't know the first one was from Robins at the time, by the way. yeah. Um, as soon as he said that, I knew my left eye was permanently blind. Uh, all the bones behind the eye socket had shattered and cut the optic nerve. And nobody knew at the time that that should have been blind. Yeah. But then I do remember opening my eyes and saying very calmly, right? And I didn't realize this was 10 seconds later. I, it was a very short period of time. But um, was, you know, I said, God's here. It's going to be okay. You don't have to worry, right? Yeah. And I remember yeah. Leila, the, Leilani, the person you mentioned, yeah. who's been a 30-year trained EMT, who's a believer, said, "She's. this has never happened, mm-hmm. ever right yeah and then the entire hour until they put me in the life flight i do not remember being in pain do you remember me
0: complaining about being no, uncomfortable no no in in, fa- in fact what what happened was is it, it was like your brain was rebooting and yeah. you kept asking the same questions about over and over teeth. yeah about your teeth about uh I, I don't remember exactly what all the questions were but it was like the same questions and then it was like Fifteen seconds later, you asked the same questions. Then twenty seconds later, you asked the same questions. Then thirty seconds later, you asked asked the same questions, and it was like your brain was just constantly rebooting. That's the only way I can describe it. Yeah.
1: And did I look uncomfortable? I don't remember being in any pain during that period. No. Now the pain I was in over the next two and a half years as I as I recovered was yeah. it, it, It almost drove me crazy. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, it was, it was, that I remember, was, I remember
0: you yeah. saying when you first got to that hospital, you would look at a clock and you would be like, okay, I just need to get through the next five minutes. Yeah. The next five minutes. And you get through that five minutes. Okay. Just five more minutes. Yeah. And, and, and you would do that for hours and hours on end because the, the, the pain was so bad. Yeah.
1: And, and, you know, let me, you know, for, for the purpose of this too, I, I cause I'd love to update people. Let me kind of fast forward people. So. One of the big lessons I think you and I have both learned, and I'd love to share from your perspective, right, over the last seven years. So think about this. So two years after my accident, right, I've had 25 surgeries, right, been in and out of the hospital for 20 months until mm-hmm. I got discharged. I guess 20 months plus six weeks in ICU. Uh, told that I probably wouldn't be a at Walmart. Tried to get back to work at my old job. My, As a my, very
0: successful financial advisor.
1: Yeah, and this was actually going to be, you know, managing a uh, a firm and my partners were amazing. But it became pretty clear after a while cuz I could literally work cuz of my brain injury 10 hours a week. Mm-hmm. And after trying to get back to work for uh almost 9 months, it became pretty clear that I can't do the job. Mm-hmm. And I felt like a charity case. Mm-hmm. They were feeling that way too. I actually brought it up first and I'm like thank you for saying that cuz they weren't a, I mean they were just yeah. they're still yeah. some of my best friends. Yeah. Uh, um so think about this we'd had we'd had well over seven figures in bills, medical bills, all of our payments, everything. Donna had been a stay at home mom for fifteen years, mm-hmm. physical therapy, so her license had lapsed. she couldn't just go back to work, and she was my caregiver because of my blindness mm-hmm. and brain injury. I couldn't drive uh, initially mm-hmm. at all for the first year and a half while I was recovering um we we every month everything that we spent money on was coming out of savings mm-hmm. right. You know, mortgage, cars, you know, it's everything, food. Um, And here I am in a spot where I have to figure out what's next, and i got to support my family financially and have no idea if I can. Uh, The thing that kept us going was the promise God gave us. That, honestly, even though you talked about those five-minute segments, right, Mm -hmm. was honestly just that hope and that trust in God that Mm. the next five minutes, that tomorrow that next week, because you do have a plan and things are working together, it is going to get better. Even if I can't see it right now and I had to, you know, when you, let's say you just have an amazing marriage, right? Mm-hmm. You trust your wife or you trust your husband, right? You trust your family just absolutely implicitly. It's not a choice. It comes to a point, but it, it's, it's just who you are, right? Mm-hmm. And that's where i got gotten with, with God that I just completely trusted him without question. And I think that is what allowed me, you know, I worked with so many uh, other people with these kind of injuries at at Craig, you know, the recovery hospital I was at, Mm -hmm. who didn't have that perspective. And I saw them just spiral down into a really dark place. And I got to tell you, that scared the wits out of me because I Mm -hmm. saw how quickly it could happen when you lose hope. Right. Powerful, powerful thing. Um, But here's what happened. is so this was, I guess, four years ago now, right, just over four years ago. I'm sitting in my bed and I'm like, okay, I can't, I can't, I can't go back to the work, the job. I just recovered from nerve surgery, so I had the week off from work, right? I know I have to, the, you know, they're going to let me go. What's next? And I hear God speak to me. He says, John, I want you to use this life I've given you to equip and inspire leaders to work in my kingdom. I'm like, that's awesome. Can I have page two? Can I get the what? The how? <laughs> what, Can what's I? The,
0: what's the plan? What's the first step? Right? And I'm a business guy, right?
1: Step? I'm an engineer, right? I want the plan. Lay it out. Guess what? that never came. Yeah. And I honestly think this whole notion of calling as an assignment where you get these clear directions, those things are in my experience extremely extremely rare and so many people are looking at that and creating this dependent event that unless I have perfect clarity, I'm not moving into action. Yeah. And I can yeah. tell you it's uh, there's people listening right now it's holding you back. Yes. Here's what I found action actually begets clarity. And I think what I was call, what I my calling is who I'm called to be in Christ. And if I can be authentic and true to that, the what and the how just flow naturally from that, and I've let go my attachment to the what and the how, which has just opened up crazy doors over the last four years. And I have never operated before that before anyway. this This was a big shift for me personally. I was a planner, I'd set goals, I had milestones, I had my strategic plan, I would come up with it. And then I didn't create it with God. I'd be like, God, here's what I came up with. Please bless it. At the end of the year, if it worked out great, I'm like, hey, thanks, big guy. And if not, I'm kind of like, seriously? Yeah. Right? And so over time, I kind of really drifted away from that that first love, that true anchor, right? But anyway, so here's here was a choice that we made. I think just seeing how faithful God was in everything in our recovery. Like every time we were out of money, we would, we would have something come in. Mm-hmm. I'll never forget the day where we were out of money, credit cards are maxed, we don't know what we're going to do, and I got an email from my previous employer from years ago saying, we miscalculated all of your uh, commissions. Here's a check for $43,000. <laughs> I'm like, what? I mean, that paid off two they of our credit cards and got us through three months of, of yeah, living. Yeah. I'm like, I mean, and they it showed an- up on the day that Don and I got on our ease and said, Lord, we need some help. Yeah. We went to the mailbox. There it was. Like, he knew. He knew oh, yeah. it was coming. Oh yeah. He already, you know, planned. So we saw how faithful God was in all these little things. Yep. Right. My health, our family, our finances. So when we decided to take that direction of equipping, inspiring leaders into coaching, mm-hmm. and started a coaching business, so I could, I had no money, literally no money. I could work ten hours a week. Um, my network was completely dormant because I've basically been in bed for two and a half years. Mm-hmm. And I had to develop a coaching business. That's what I felt I was called to do, right? That that was where I was being led into to support our family financially. And by the end of that first year, working 15, 10 to 15 hours a week, we were making enough cash flow-wise um, that we we're not only to able to support the family but also pay off our credit cards.
0: Yeah.
1: And so I, I think the message for people where it all starts, I think, right is really taking that time to kind of slow down and understand not who you are right uh but it's actually to filter through all this stuff that's been this is what i had to do let me let me say it this way i realized that there was a ton of stuff in my identity mm-hmm. my self identity that i had let in through my own personal experiences things that had been said to me directly uh, I think another aspect, especially in this world today, is those things that we think others think about us, right, that are colored by our experiences, mm-hmm. what that does, that tends to let these lies in to our core that we accept as truths, and those are the stuff that keeps you bound up. I know that's that was the truth for me, why I was really kind of miserable before this accident. Mm-hmm. And so I was through this process of not discovering who I was. But discovering who the person God made me to be, who does God see when He looks at me? Because He sees the truth, yeah. He sees the you know the creation, right? The workmanship that He yep. put to, that He knit together, and that was the person I wanted to get in touch with. And it was actually through that journey uh, of really kind of self-discovery, and I had a coach help me to do that, that led to everything we're doing now. We started a coaching business, we started the podcast. We've been hired by the US military, we've been named as a preferred contractor. I mean, the business we have today is 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 beyond anything I ever thought I could accomplish when I was trying to find my first coaching client four years ago. Yeah. And so now Donna is home helping me. Uh, we make more money than month, right? <laughs> We're able to, yeah. you know, we've been able to get debt free, we've been able to tithe, we've able to, so, And I gotta tell you, some of those dark times, and I've had you know ups and downs as I've been doing this, right? Self doubts, Mm -hmm. been angry at God, and I think sometimes, you know what it is, the most powerful thing for me is actually just being real with God about your emotions, because He already knows, yeah, right. And just having some of those, so I I chose because of that moment with Him when I realized He's a friend. I every time I read that scripture, right. Mm -hmm. That Jesus wants to call us a friend, and He wants us to call Him a friend. Yeah. I'm not. I, you know, my always my reaction was, "Yeah, I'm not one of those guys in His clique. Mm. Right? I'm not the guy he would want to call a friend."
0: Mm.
1: And I realized I'm wrong, and then I'm like, "You know what? What if I just pray and have conversations with Him, the way I would sitting down with you, right, and sitting down with Vicky who's sitting here who just joined us, uh, who's our prayer warrior? You're going to hear an interview from her. She's awesome." Uh, totally changed my prayer life yeah. and my relationship with him. Because right? he says, I want you to know my master's business. And friends share that with friends. And I believe that's absolutely what's happened. And even, and I, I tell you, to this day, there's things going on that don't make sense to me. They're not in my timing. But once again, it's yeah. back to the f- fact that I trust him I- implicitly in everything going on. Things that have happened with our family, health challenges. I've had some huge setbacks just from the accident. I'm in pain right now just talking with you. Mm-hmm. That's just part of, right? Uh, but uh, I, have, I have no complaints or regrets. So that's just a quick update. When you guys hear me talk about my accident, that is what set us on this journey and allowed me. So I guess here's, and I want to hear a little bit of update from you, Steve, too, but I think here's something to think about, right, is I should have died that day. Mm-hmm. And I thought about my funeral. I thought about what my legacy would have been that day. And I realized i have been given the second chance at life when, you know, I met others with similar accidents who had not. And, and I had to choose to look at that. I had two choices, right? Do I look at this as like this burden of something to live up to? Or have I been given this amazing gift that I get to give and share with others? Yeah. And what I realized is I was given a second chance. And I'm sharing this with a good friend of mine, uh, Mark Sanborn. He says, you know, John, I, here's what I would argue is, you know what? Every single morning when we wake up, we actually have a second chance. We just don't. It's just the question on whether we realize it or not. Mm-hmm. And that's what I would leave the audience. This is my update. You guys listening. This morning when you guys woke up before you are hearing this, today was your second chance to actually re- completely rewrite the script, to live the life God meant you to live, to live a life fully alive. And if you blew it today and nothing changed, here is the great news. Tomorrow morning, a second chance. Mm-hmm. So here's what I would ask you guys to do. Here's my call to action. Sit down and just find that one thing in your life that if it got a little better would change your joy, not happiness, but your joy, your fulfillment, maybe your influence as a leader, whatever it is. What's that one thing that you can just start working on? You might need a friend to help you with it. Uh, but you know what? I'm am a I'm a simple guy and I'm a huge fan of actually finding... What is that? Here's my motto. What is that next small step forward? Mm-hmm. And this journey over the last four years has just been a series of a lot of very small step forwards that have led me to where I'm at now. And some of them were missteps, but when you only make a small step, it's easy to actually correct. Yeah. So that that's that's a big part of what I'm really hoping you know some people would take away from this.
0: Well, as somebody that's w- walked this journey with you from meeting you the day before the accident and then coming up to denver occasionally and Mm -hmm. hanging out with you and donna and going out to lunch and just seeing the the recovery having lots of phone conversations over those next few years my man i I cannot believe that we are in this position right now one i love you as a brother i love you as a friend you were a fantastic (laughs) human being and someone that uh elizabeth and i both absolutely adore you and donna
1: yeah and, and donna and i and
0: so admire and respect you and elizabeth everything you've gone through her health yeah
1: Your, i mean uh, i'd love for you to share an update right because you were doing your dream job and it turned into a nightmare it did and you had a you had, a, you had a pull the plug and like almost here was my perspective right yeah i think there was so much there was so much pain and almost emotional trauma associated with something you really wanted to do that you almost had to separate yourself to almost kind of do your own journey of self-discovery and yeah. healing. True. And now you're right back in that same industry but you're doing it in a way that you are absolutely on fire, you're thriving, you're a different person, your demeanor, Thank your you. face, your your peace, yeah. your energy is to is is absolutely transformed by the yeah. way from from just even 2 or 3 years ago. Yeah. And I'd love for maybe you to share about what that transformation has been for
0: you. Yeah. So, to fill in the gaps, um, I was Dr. Dobson's chief audio engineer at Focus and the Family. I was the second employee he hired to help start Family Talk when Focus finished that leadership transition. And uh, the money never really came in at Family Talk. I was doing two daily radio broadcasts with half the staff I had at Focus to do one. And those relationships, three of us left Focus Broadcasting to help really st- kind of start building family talk. Um, I recruited the the other two that came with. I handpicked them and quietly recruited them, uh, and uh, in part because they had expressed some interest. And uh, so, um, <laughs> anyway, left, and that workload just eventually frayed those relationships. And things got very edgy and... Uh, it, it was, well, you were it was, operating un- from a place of total overwhelm and burnout. Well, it, it, I was operating out of a place of uh, r- really a, a number of friends have, have described it as an orphan spirit. I, I was very works-related. works, works related. Yeah. And I, 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 to, I, I grabbed a lot of my identity out of being Dobson's guy, quote-unquote. Yeah. So anytime you would travel, I was usually the one that went with to record and... Uh, we would go out to dinner afterwards and hang out. And so it, it was a really special relationship. I, I looked at Doc much like a, a relationship to an uncle. Yeah, I didn't consider him a father figure, but I considered him an uncle, someone who was very close to me, who had very big influence into my life personally. Yeah, And he and I just had a great relationship. And uh, I, my last two months that I was there, I lost 20 pounds, wasn't eating, wasn't sleeping. The relation, it became a very toxic work culture not on the part of Doc, but uh, amongst the team in broadcasting. It just became very toxic. And uh, literally within a year of me leaving, the other two had left just because the workload was just, it was too much for them as well. And so when I would sit in front of a computer, I, my, my eyes would physically hurt. And when I would listen to audio, my ears would physically hurt. And uh, I, I needed time to get away and just, and just kind of heal physically as well as emotionally. Because here here I was in, in this position where I, I was, you know, I was the right-hand guy audio-wise for the evangelical Pope, if you will. Mm-hmm. In, in my opinion, no evangelical leader has had more influence over the last 40 years, 35 years, than Dr. James Dobson. I mean, right at that time, Billy Graham started scaling back his ministry. Yeah. Doc started stepping up in the 80s. Yeah, And so here I was this close to power and, and I mean we we would go out to dinner with Chuck Colson or we would go out to this group dinner with presidential candidates or presidential candidates would come by the office and and we would land, lay hands on them and pray for them and, and and it was just it was very intoxicating yeah and uh to to have that to have to leave that for my health's sake for my family's sake was 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 really difficult and so, um, jet- ventured into financial advising for four years. You were a huge influence on me and mentor in me and trying to get me started very successful. My first year, very yep. successful. All the vets told me I was just absolutely killing it. And then my wife got sick and it was those assets that I had under management that really kind of helped me scale back, just manage those existing clients that I had and take care of my wife. And she went through some massive health stuff. You can yep. listen back to my, uh, my my episode where I tell my story and um, and, and hear much more about that. But it, she spent in 2014 when we started eternal leadership, she, she spent a total of of five weeks at, at the University of Colorado Hospital here in Denver.
1: Yeah, and it was in touch and go a few times.
0: Yeah, I mean, and the, and the second time that she, the first time she went in, she was uh, it was an autoimmune flare up. She was eighty six pounds, I think, when she went in. She's normally about in you know, about a hundred pounds, and so she was just skin and bone. Yep. And the second time she went in was uh, congestive heart failure from some undiagnosed pulmonary hypertension, and uh, so it 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 was it was a scary time for me and. Um, you and Donna were absolutely just key uh, people that would come over to the hospital and just hang with us. And uh, we we didn't have very many visitors, but you and Donna were ones that came over multiple times and just would just hang out with us and just yeah just talk and just be there. And so um, it 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 was a journey of of really healing from that burnout that. That love for media, and th- this podcast really kind of started it. That love for media kind of really reawakened. Yeah, And and so uh, I've, I've kind of, uh, in 2016, I let my licenses lapse and and kind of started to tr- transition back into full-time media, and uh, things are just, uh, the, the investment that I've been spending in this the last two years has really started to pay off, and things are absolutely exploding, uh, I've I've got a number of clients. I'm about to hire my my first full two full-time a full-time editor and then a full-time uh virtual assistant project manager. Yeah, let help.
1: people know what you're doing now.
0: Yeah, so um basically I am helping people get podcasts like this started. Um I'm using that uh 15 years of working for Dr. Dobson on a national radio hall of fame broadcast and then a uh, the largest rollout in radio history. Um, we won multiple major broadcasting awards. I personally won two for a couple broadcasts in 2000 and then uh, 2000, uh, 2001 and uh, 2002. And so... Uh,
1: yeah, and, and then also just part of, you know, I think what we've learned too is, right, how does a podcast fit into what you're doing from a business, if that's important? Yeah. The launch of a podcast is absolutely critical that's for you. your success. And we were able to be number one... Every day for the first eight weeks, and new and noteworthy, except for two days. Yeah, for eight weeks. Yeah, because we, you and I, put a lot of thought and research into our launch plan. Got some help, but with so many lessons we learned on how to do a lot of these things. The content, you know, I think the other thing you have really helped me with is probably you know all of your experience with Doc too, is how to really have you know really good engaging interviews, how to have the right guests, how to you know, uh, you know when to. Uh, you know, maybe when to pivot with some of the things that you're doing. So, you know, mm-hmm. I, as a matter of fact, I'll, I'll just give Steve just ring really endorsement. Of not only the work we do, but I've actually seen some of the work he's done for some of his clients. Yeah. Uh, Pinnacle Forum and some other ones where their podcast their podcast has actually transformed their not only not only their business, but their influence, the clients they get to work with, everything, and they're getting their message out. Yeah. So it's and guess what? It's it's a blast.
0: I'm 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 really having fun, more than I have, I think probably since since I was back at Focus.
1: Yeah, and I think and right. and
0: and in a lot of ways, I, I think I'm in a much better position because having the last seven years, really the last six and a half since I left working for Doctor Dobson, I've I've gone through a great amount of inner healing and personal development and really soul searching to really figure out okay what are the lies that I'm believing, and how do I get that fixed. What? How 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 do I live a more full life, and how how do I figure out who God really made me to be? And and in, in a lot of ways, you've been very in, 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 instrumental in you. I, I, I think I think of anyone that 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 I've talked to and I've started to get to know, three people in particular really stand out. You. Kevin Knebel, who we've had on yep. the broadcast a few times, and then a mutual friend that you introduced me to on the very first taping that we did with Matt Hurd, Amy Everett, and Peter Wagner, yeah. Kay Hiramini, a oh, mutual yeah. friend of ours who is just absolutely—I awesome. mean—the the three of you pouring into my life and and really kind of helping me understand that it's it's all about mutually beneficial relationships and helping someone get what they want and really just kind of just building a network and uh, starting to just help people out. Yeah, you know, uh, just
1: an observation, too, because uh, I hear it all the time with my clients, my coaching clients, organizations I work with, and I think it's a place that really was a lot of frustration for you. We have Vicki sitting here, who's one of our prayer partners. We'll see uh, uh, her thoughts, too. But you were so stuck on what you should be doing. Yeah. You were so frustrated with, you know, God, what what should I be doing? What yeah. is, you know, there's a fork in the road coming up or do I need to create one do I need to write and I think we get so much of a tither about the what and if I actually look at where you're at now it was actually the journey all these different experiences that you went along um I kind of view I don't uh, this is this might just be me right but I almost feel like it's you know uh you know God's word his relationship is like this lamp unto our feet right so think about that you need a lamp when it's dark out which means the lamp only shines in a small area around you. Mm-hmm. So if I'm taking a path through the woods and I might not know the destination, this is, I think, where it's a place where you have to get comfortable. And this yeah. is what you've done. Yeah, I have to be comfortable kind of finding those next couple steps and trusting this is leading me to the right place. Yeah, And I think when you really kind of release this anxiety around specifically what you should be doing. Should I start this kind of company? Should I do financial advising? Should I go back to audio? Should I go get a job? you kind of let it go and i think like then it felt to me like as soon as you did that like everything fell into place to what you're doing now yeah and i would just uh tell people out there is you know take that maybe as just you know to hear what's you know what steve's walked through what i've walked through is like you know what the goal is not to figure it all out right now yeah right it's about trusting god as you move forward and knowing that you might never know exactly what you're doing right now uh, is going to lead to yeah. right and, and i got to tell you that was you know
0: for me that was a totally different way of operating mm-hmm. yeah. very much so very yeah. much the, the, the whole moving from task oriented goal oriented your identity being wrapped up in that in what you 're doing as opposed to your identity being wrapped up in who you are, who God created us to be. I th- yeah. I th- I, both of us have really gone through that journey over the last seven years. I think And so. my man, I am so excited about yeah. just continuing this journey with you, brother. Wait till the next and, seven years, man. Oh, oh heck yeah. I can't wait to share what You're we're You're a now. grandpa. Oh, yeah. You're a grandpa. I'm a grandpa. A, I'm a grandpa. You're, and you and Donna are the most freaking awesome <laughs> grandparents. I've, <laughs> yeah, I've, I've been out here and hang, hung out with you guys when you've had your grandson here. And uh, yeah.
1: Yep. He's awesome. Um, you know, grandson to a teenage father—that's been a whole. Yeah, the whole thing's been a blessing, all the way around. Yeah. Right? Thank God my kids chose life, because we were the last people to be informed. But that's a whole—that's a whole nother podcast episode. <laughs> all right. Well, hey everybody out there, thank you for being a part of this. Yes. Uh, we just wanted to give you an update. It's been an amazing journey. You guys have been a huge part of it for both Steve and I. I think both our healing. Um, The clarity of what we're doing, why we're doing it. A lot of that's come from the relationships, from you out there listening. So we'd love to hear from you. You know, uh, you can email me, john, at eternalleadership.com. Or me, steve,
0: at eternalleadership.com.
1: Steve at eternalleadership.com. We would love to hear from you. Yeah. Drop us a line. Um, You know, we brought Sandra on to kind of just expand. Uh, She's not here right now, but... Just the whole team, everybody together. It's been awesome. So thank you, everybody. Uh, We'd love to hear from you. Let us know what we can do better to serve you, a topic, anything. And, And I'll talk to you next week.